0: Welcome to Love What You Do, Do What You Love podcast. I'm Celeste Wong, aka The Girl in the Cafe. I'm a cafe barista, actress, hospitality specialist turned coffee, travel and lifestyle entrepreneur. Over the years, over the counter, I've been inspired by thousands of successful, passionate and courageous people who love what they do and do what they love. In each episode, I'll bring you an inspiring person or message to help you create a life of independence and abundance, doing what you love and loving what you do. Let's get into it. 15. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out with me today and let me introduce you to my next two guests. Yes, two. I'm so excited to share this next episode with you guys about two friends who have created a successful business partnership and learn how they turned something that they were really passionate about into a thriving business doing what they love. This episode is really interesting because they talk about some of their massive failures and how they handled it. We talk about how they balance pitching for seed funding, what that is like, which I found really interesting, and how to overcome mental challenges in relationships and relationships in running your own business. Balancing home life with a life that was once just experimenting in their kitchen to running and growing a company that seems to be launching all over the world must be so full on. Keep listening to hear an inspiring and insightful perspective from two entrepreneurs who aspire to continue to attract female talent and become the world's leading sustainable skincare brand. You don't want to miss this. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode. Before I get started though, I wanted to share some exciting information from my sponsors. I only pick people who I think are awesome to bring onto this podcast, so please support these guys. Today's show is brought to you by Eastpack. Now you guys know how I love to travel and experience new things, and Eastpack really know how to travel the world in style. I only support brands who I think are great, and Eastpac have not only seen me through my fair share of adventures around the world, but they're also providing me with support so that I can bring you some amazing entrepreneurial female guests on this podcast. It feels so good to be supported by a company who recognizes the importance of being a woman, having a strong voice, championing independence, while providing inspiration to have the confidence to do what you love, whether that be travel, business, fashion, technology, or in my case, coffee. I'm a massive fan of their suitcases, but especially of their bum bags because they look super cool and they are built to resist, just like the next few guests on my show, built to resist the challenges of life, the internal dialogue, and anything else that life throws at us. Thank you, Eastpac, for supporting the next few women on my podcast and me so that I can do what I love. Right, now back to the podcast. This is episode 7 with Elsie Rutherford and Dominika Minorovic. After starting Clean Beauty Co, a go-to blog aimed to educate and empower people to make their own beauty products and be more invested in what goes on their skin, Elsie and Dominika launched Bybee in February of 2017. Having been recognized as natural beauty thought leaders and innovators in the UK, they are both trained skincare formulators, have published a book called Clean Beauty, have been mentioned in various leading women's magazines, and are stocked in a plethora of reputable online stores as well as physical stores like Boots, Harvey Nichols, and makeup giant Sephora in Australia. In two short years, they have taken a once niche segment to the mass market with their 100% natural, vegan, cruelty-free skincare products, providing transparent and innovative high-performance products. Bybee stands for Buy Beauty Insiders because Elsie and Dominika use their knowledge and experience as beauty bloggers, formulators, and consumers to create great skincare products. They certainly seem to be passionate and love what they do. I'm keen to learn more about who these two incredible women are and how they got to where they are today. Welcome to Love What You Do podcast. (laughs) So I'm really keen to uh, hear about your story, but I always want to know a little bit of background about each of you in terms of your childhood and how you grew up. So maybe we'll start with Dominika first. We've got two people. I've not actually interviewed two people on my podcast before, so this will be interesting. So hopefully... Everyone will be able to distinguish yeah. the three voices. We've got an, we've got an Australian,
1: English, and me a Kiwi. So yeah, I think we we tend to be quite distinct, don't we? So yeah. um, Well, I'm Dominica. Um, so I have quite a colourful growing up history, I would say. Um, so my family are originally from Slovakia in Eastern Europe. Um, I grew up in Australia and Hong Kong as well. Um, and then I came to the UK for uni in 2005, and I never left. So I kind of came here as a bit of an experiment to see what it was like to live in Europe and then fell in love and never returned back although my parents now live here and my sister lives in France so we're all kind of in Europe anyway. Oh you're all on the side. Yeah. Why
0: why did you go to Hong Kong? Like what?
1: My dad's work. Yeah. But it was an amazing time to live in Hong Kong and it was really like expat
2: friendly and it was just a great place to grow up. So and
0: I yeah. see. <laughs> what about you?
2: So I was born in North London, lived with just me and my mum growing up there until I was twelve, and then moved to Bath in the West yeah. Country for secondary school, which was lovely. Um, my dad is Kiwi, so oh, really, Kiwi, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, so he lives in Auckland with my three half-brothers and sisters. So, yeah, he's lived there for the past kind of 10 years. So he was in London and then he's moved there. Oh, wow. Um, so do you go and visit? As much London? as I can. Yeah. It's quite difficult. They've been over more recently. Yeah. I'm like severely overdue a trip there. So yeah. I think we've just launched into Sephora over there, which weirdly my dad... In dad's... New Zealand
0: yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, okay. yeah. What about America? Are you in America yet? Not yet. Okay
2: not yet TBC (laughs) yeah cool
0: that's gonna be interesting yeah
2: no we're in Sephora Southeast Asia Australia New Zealand has just rolled out and my dad's an architect and he was actually involved in the kind of like planning and building of the mall that the Sephora's gone into so that was quite a nice like syncing up story (laughs) so no I'm severely overdue a trip Um, it's just taking like you know, enough time out of work to make it the travel worthwhile is quite challenging. But now that we're there, maybe I'll go and do some store trainings over there or something. <laughs>
0: Sync it up with work. All that yeah, way. it's a good excuse to do that. I yeah. mean,
2: and also you can write it off as a business. Exactly, it's <laughs> totally yeah. a business yeah. trip. So, so then, yeah, so I'm back yeah. in London now. Yeah, like, Dom London. London's my home. I've been here for, like, the last 14 years, so... Wow. Yeah.
0: Because it's quite interesting. Like, obviously, you guys are really busy, so in my head, when you're saying you're gonna go travel over the seas and everything. I'm like, how do you even find the time? So let's go back a little bit more. Like how did you actually come to A meet each other and decide you wanted to
1: start a business together? How did you guys
2: meet?
1: <laughs> we used to work together. So yeah. Elsie and I met back in 2014, maybe even 2013. Mm-hmm. We used to do a really glamorous job. It was selling advertising space, um, quite low-brow advertising space on video pre-roll. So right. basically when you go onto YouTube and you watch those videos and you're served that 15-second non-skippable ad, we used to sell those to right. big media advertisers. And we kind of joined at the same time and we quickly became like work BFFs. So we'd always be on Skype because we didn't have anything else back then, Um, (laughs) you know, bitching about our boss and gossiping about everyone in the (laughs) office and, you know, thinking we were better than everyone else, classic, (laughs) so... Um, yeah we just spent a few years working together and and kind of like in our mid-twenties just really enjoying being in London and during that time it was kind of the rise of the wellness movement and we we got a bit nuts, we did things like walk to Brighton which was a 104 kilometer walk we did, it took 28 hours we did a triathlon, we were going to the gym at lunch, we were you know, (laughs) Elsie always used to make me sweet potato brownies and like vegan cupcakes and stuff so we were really just interested in this kind of whole wellness movement which was really really big around then and kind of really dipping our toe into Instagram following influencers and, and looking at that platform as a way to really disseminate content and build a community and that was kind of our light bulb moment for can we start something we didn't know what it was yet but we were like we spend loads of time together and really enjoy each other's company we have loads of mutual interests around this kind of wellness movement Let's just see what we can come up with, kind of a thing. And we spent, you know, a few conversations just brainstorming and, and thinking about it. And one thing that really resonated with both of us was this idea of natural beauty because we loved beauty. Yeah. Complete beauty junkies. And
0: do you mean when you say beauty, because I've been sort of interested in sort of natural beauty, uh, natural skincare products very, very recently. But what is the, when you say beauty, do you mean skincare or do you mean makeup or does that include everything?
1: Kind of everything because yeah. clean beauty insiders as it's now known you know we did hair we did body we did face right. you know we yeah. did everything because I think yeah I mean you're body or skin is an organ and it's not really you know segmented versus where it is on your body so yeah we were definitely we just loved beauty we loved everything about beauty from fragrance to skincare to body care to going to the salon to get your hair done to going for facials to getting massages yeah. like we just loved beauty
0: what is it though about loving beauty like I mean I do like it but I'm not I've never sort of Maybe I just haven't admitted that I've been that into it, but, you know, I look at the stuff that I have, and I have loads and loads of stuff. I'm like, I don't even spend that much money on makeup and skincare, and actually I do. But what, so for you, like, what what is it that you love about it? Is it, is it a, like I want to say, ask, is it a vanity thing? Or is it a, like, a true just, I don't know, what does it make you
2: feel good? What is it about... Mm-hmm. But you're rocking, like, a pink lip and, totally. like, great eyeliner. So totally. I feel like you, that's your beauty, right? Yeah. That's your, like... Um, I, I think there are a few things with beauty yeah. um, that make it so interesting. Vanity is a massive part of it. Yes, yeah. definitely.
0: And I don't say that in a negative way. No. Like, I'm really for loving yourself and wanting to feel and look beautiful yeah. inside and out. All of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just wondered... Because you guys are professionals as well. like
2: I think there's a few things. I think within skincare specifically, and a lot of what we talk about at Bybee, is around like skin health and optimising skin health. And and there's honestly something about having, feeling like your skin is really healthy that's... Okay, so one, from the vanity perspective, you know when you're having one of those days and everyone's like, your skin's looking so good. Like, what are you using? Whatever. And that's really lovely. But I do also feel like your skin is a bit of a window to like the rest of your body's health as well like if you're in poor health like your skin kind of shows it really obviously so there's something about like having really healthy glowing like we're all about the glow love a glow yeah (laughs) like glowing skin that is like just makes you feel healthy like it kind of makes you feel all over healthy and that that's something that we're both like really invested in and we create products to to make you feel like you've got healthy skin or to make sure that your skin's looking and feeling really healthy and you're really comfortable in it and i think unhealthy skin can lead to issues that are actually quite damaging for people's confidence so things like you know acne like severe acne mm-hmm. severe kind of eczema or any kind of inflammation so we're all about getting like your skin to its best health so you don't suffer from or you suffer less from that kind of thing and I really think that helps with confidence and, and how people feel about themselves but then I think other areas of beauty isn't just about vanity it goes goes a little bit deeper you know there's the whole kind of services area of beauty going for a massage or facial you know that indulgence going to a spa like that's all about like looking after yourself like relaxation and um, kind of feeling like you're investing in yourself and I don't think that has anything to do with vanity actually I think that's something a bit deeper yeah
0: that and that's sort of something that's
2: become more popular and seen as okay to
0: do you know a few years ago that would have been like you said indulgent yeah and you know sort of I don't know too too much about yourself and all of that kind of stuff, and I I just think that people seem to be more open to to just doing that and being okay with it.
2: Yeah, um, definitely. It's, and owning it and knowing what the the benefits are. Yeah, I agree, and and I think that's really positive, and and yeah. especially then when that's kind of like folded into at home services as well. You know, you can get these things on demand. Like you could literally, like. Book somebody to come turn up here in half an hour and and give yeah. you like a sixty minute massage. It's kind of amazing, and that's a great way to look after yourself. And then I think there's the area of beauty that sits around kind of like color cosmetics, hair, and then even filters into things like you know tattoos, and and that's mm. all about expression and self expression. Yeah. And yeah. again, I don't think that is tied up with vanity as such. I think that's a really healthy thing to mm-hmm. be able to express yourself and fashion takes up such a huge part of that and everybody thinks that fashion, you know, fashion is the only way that you can express yourself but you actually, you know, look at things like makeup and it is used to kind of, um, yeah, as as almost like an identifier, you know, like a, is it kind of like connected to me to like, yeah, your identity and stuff so Mm -hmm. I think we both are more passionate about each of those areas but like together when we met you know that was beauty in in all of those across all of those pillars was always a massive part of our lives since we were like you know teens or whatever so that was a real like common connect for us as well as the then kind of growing interest in wellness which was where that intersection and the light bulb moment for clean beauty okay so
0: did you guys try a lot of different products together and then discuss them and then what was that kind of Jumping off point to sort of do your first post or
1: actually start something together. Mm. I think when we just started looking, because we were like, it makes a lot of sense, let's buy more natural, more ethical, more cleaner skincare. That makes a and lot when of sense. And was this around like what year? 2015? Yeah. yeah, okay. So, you know, coming up to four or five years ago now. Yeah. Um, and it just made a lot of sense, you know, we were scrutinizing food labels, we were thinking so much about what we were eating, you know, this was the mm. moment of the superfood smoothie and, you know, we, we were so consumed with getting as many nutrients through food, but then, you know, we were slathering all these products all over, we'd never looked at the ingredients, so we had no mm. concept of what these ingredients were, and you kind of see these headlines of, oh, it's got avocado oil or vitamin C, But being a sceptical consumer, you dig a bit deeper and you find out that there's not a lot of anything in mainstream beauty products. So we did try and just switch to natural. There just wasn't much available, to be honest. Like we went to Whole Foods and we were like, great, we can buy some bath salts in a brown paper bag and like a bit of lavender balm. It's not really satisfying that vanity perspective, right? Yeah. It might kind of touch on the self-care or the, you know, the kind of more holistic side of beauty. But, you know, we, we couldn't go into Selfridges and buy clean, ethical, natural skincare. It just didn't really exist. And in the, on the odd occasion we were able to locate something, you know, the mm. price tag associated with it then be, made yeah. it um, exclusive. I was just
0: thinking that before. What about the people who can't afford it? I think everybody should have the best of everything. And I mean, I'm, this is not even a question, this is just a little bit of a gripe. I'm just kind of like, in order to have such good products, there's often such a huge price tag on it, you know? And I don't feel like there's, it's equal for everybody and that's just the one thing that kind of irritates me about just being sustainable. Like even being sustainable is, is kind of a more wealthy thing Person's yeah. privilege
2: there's in a way lot of that, which... like yeah is sustainability like a middle class thing totally. like yeah and there's a price tag on health essentially that's what it is yeah and yeah unfortunately that just is the way that and and I think the wellness industry like mm. in you know wellness in inverted commas because I think that there there's a bit of a backlash already starting around that kind of like wellness scene but yeah it it has been exclusive. Um, it's had a huge price tag on it and essentially what a lot of brands who are you know charging premiums for like healthy products are saying is yeah that you have to pay more if you want good health but and we can come into this when we talk about like our thoughts behind Bybee but accessibility is a massive part to 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 what we do because for us we were like this is ridiculous that if you want healthy skin everything that I just said earlier you have to pay loads of money for it it's It is, yeah, it's not fair, actually. So, Where do you
0: think it's going? Like, how do you think the industry is going to alleviate this? Or are they? Do you feel like being in the industry yourselves, do you feel like there's any kind of
1: movement to make products more accessible to people of all sort of demographics? Not as much as you would expect. I think definitely our space in the kind of more mastige, kind of ethical clean space is getting busier and busier mm-hmm. but really the noise is in the upper luxury categories for sure and I mean without a doubt you know natural sustainable does mean more expensive you know mm-hmm. there's without a question a price tag for us that comes with mm-hmm. making those decisions around formulating with high quality ingredients and their, and sourcing high quality and sustainable packaging mm-hmm. but we just work really hard not to pass that cost on to our consumer and you know, beauty has always been guilty of outrageous margins anyway. And to make up for poor products, brands were spending loads on marketing and celebrity endorsements and TV slots and, you know, full page spreads in vogue. Whereas actually, if you've got a great product, you don't necessarily have to amp up your brand so much through paid sponsorship and advertising. So I think we're able to balance definitely, you know, the cost, increased cost of product, but then be able to rest on the on the efficacy and the um, performance of the product to you know able to recruit customers in a more organic fashion and mm-hmm. and be able to develop content and organic acquisition strategies that don't necessarily rely on just literally paying for customers like and that's what beauty has been very very guilty of.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really good way of explaining how you market your brand, um, but you two both also do a lot of the marketing featuring yourselves (laughs) don't you which is great (laughs) me too yeah how does that feel is that I mean you're probably used to it now but when you first started how did that feel
2: People always say to us, oh, like when we meet people in the industry and they like look at us like they vaguely recognize us, and then when we get to the bottom of it, it's because our retargeting like videos have been following them around the internet, which is basically the two of us talking about like why we're sustainable or why we went for natural. We've we've done that. You know what, we've found across the board that us, whether we're speaking to consumers, whether we're training a team at Boots, whether we're speaking to investors, we are our most powerful sales tool at the moment because we know the story inside out. You can hopefully see our passion about what we're standing for as a brand. And there's that level of, and this word, it gets used way too often at the moment. It's kind of like the new millennial um, in that it's become a bit passe. but there is a, a level of authenticity. Because, you know, the way that we started is real and we're not a big brand retrospectively trying to fit some content story. We actually started with very humble beginnings, literally in our kitchen. And a lot of our customers have seen us grow from that. So can you tell me a little bit more about
0: that? Because I'm really interested because you guys actually do formulate your own products. So can you give me a little bit of an insight into like what that was like in your kitchen and? Dominika's <laughs> husband
2: used to come home to like what looked like a scene from Breaking Bad. Like was <laughs> like fruit powders like everywhere. We were in like aprons, hairnets, gloves. Just like oh sorry, you're home early. <laughs> he was like, yeah. what Damn the it, hell?
0: I'm <laughs> Clean up. pretend yeah. like no one was here. Yeah. He
1: was very patient when cool. we were doing a we were running a festival and we used our house basically as like a storage and we like had a dining table and just beneath it was just like boxes and boxes and boxes. Yeah, he, he paid his dues. <laughs> um, Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it kind of like stems back to your earlier question around like how did we just take that plunge? And I think. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't find a product that, that catered to our needs in the market. So we just decided to start making our own. And that sounds completely bonkers, but you may have guessed already we are slightly bonkers. <laughs> but also this way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the best way. Um but you know, we were already, you know, making our sweet potato brownies and making these smoothies and we were like, hold on, okay, we know that avocado, for example, is really rich in omega oils. We see that language slathered all over that Kiel's cream. Mm-hmm hold on, let's be clever about this. Can we just put avocado on our face? Like, do we have to go through the whole process where it's refined and heated and then mixed in with this and mixed in with that? Like, can we just apply the same rules of thumb? (laughs) I'm
0: just thinking thinking of you guys in green thing.
1: (laughs) I mean, if you Google, there's definitely pictures of us just covered in all sorts of different colored face masks, but avocado is definitely one of them. Um, And it was just, you know, it made a lot of sense. Even from a sustainability perspective, you know, using things in your fridge that you've got that has a one-time use that's you know adequate in terms of like portion size you're not wasting loads of product Mm -hmm. and you know you're using things that could be going off or that's left over from making food so it just made so much sense and it was economical but it actually delivered great results for our skin and ultimately that's why we do what we do because we believe that natural ingredients give the best skin it gives that healthy glow it gives you that that real look of inner health um, and you do achieve that by using raw unprocessed ingredients where possible a lot of them derived from food because again we know that natural raw unprocessed ingredients for our you know internal organs have so many benefits versus taking you know a heavily processed multivitamin, so again, why, why not apply apply exactly the same rules of thumb and thinking and philosophies to skincare?
0: So how did that sort of develop into something where you were starting to sort of mix things together and then, like, so you're putting things on your face and you're discussing them and you're seeing the difference? Um, I imagine taking photos and sort of analyzing each other's skin (laughs) so how what was the jump from okay let's go from this you know growing blog and social channel to actually legitimately forming a business and getting your products made with all of the
2: accreditations
0: or Mm -hmm. official stuff
2: I think there were there were like two parts to that so the first part was alongside us documenting our journey across social and across the blog we were also started to run workshops in london where we would get together like 20 people on a saturday and teach them how to make very basic beauty products which was oh, great so cool. and that really took off and then we also had our book published um, clean beauty which is like 100 recipes for your like skin and hair and for us Those two things, like one penguin saying we'll publish your book, is kind of amazing. Amazing. And two, actually being able to get people in real life together, like regularly, showed us that there was an appetite for natural beauty. Mm. That that scene was growing. It was sort of like you were testing the market. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we got to speak to these people every week. We were, you know, and this was we were still in full time jobs at this point, so it was pretty hectic. But you know, it was a great like little focus group for us as we started things. It was like there's clearly an interest for. And we're already driving revenue both from, not even from product yet, just from a book and from events. So that's an interesting. And then the other side was, okay, we've developed this you know, DIY kind of avenue to what we're doing and we're really invested in that. Yeah. We've taught ourselves how to formulate and how to read ingredients labels. But the reality is we're not going to jump in the kitchen every time that we need a face cream. And actually we don't have the facilities to produce some slightly more complex things like emulsions. So we were on the hunt for a brand that fitted into everything that we'd already learned around ingredients and stuff. So we were on the hunt for a really great brand. But going back to our point earlier about how, you know, huge features that we were, <laughs> we didn't want to go to Holland and Barrett to go and buy that, find that brand. Yeah. We didn't We didn't want it to feel like it was part of our whole food, food shop. And equally, we didn't want to pay... £200 for a serum. Because I think for most people, like you said, there is
0: probably a DIY market, but most people don't want to make their own face cream or whatever. And then when they buy their product, they want it to look good as well. Like there's a whole... It like look good and feel good. so yeah. there is
2: a bit of an expectation I think from consumers. So I don't definitely, really... <laughs> but also that we were like, though. it doesn't actually have to be that way. You know, it doesn't because a lot of the like DIY natural thing is very like we call it like nuts and berries. Like it gets kind of like branded as very like granola, very alternative, <laughs> like a little bit hippie and we were like, nobody's bringing that into the current kind of like mainstream. Also worth noting that alongside this, we were mm. seeing a rise in the independent beauty brands, not in the clean natural space necessarily at that time, but the likes of Deciem, and Glossier, yes. um, kind of like starting to lead the way and rebel against everything that we've been taught as beauty consumers mm. from the likes of L'Oreal and Lauder. Yes. So we, we were like, hang on a second that that's doing really well really engaging with a millennial audience we can't find anything that fills the fills our need for a cool like natural brand like why don't we marry up the two why don't we you know Look to the likes of Glossier for inspiration on how to build a community and, and brand and product development and that kind of thing, but actually do it in a way that speaks to people who hold things like sustainability and clean as a like a value. And I think there are, you know, this is a couple of years ago, like brands are put- potentially starting to crop up playing in that space, but we still feel like there's that is open. We don't think anybody can compete with us in that respect because we have this accessibility play that is seen in our price point and the way that we speak to our consumer and our branding it's fun it's engaging it's relevant we have a huge sustainability part that not many beauty brands are talking about and then we also have this performance part in that because our formulation is natural it works and we don't believe anybody's playing in that space even now like mm. a few years later
0: that's awesome so you realize this and then like what did you do to go you know jump into it I know what it's like to have a full-time job and then work on this passion project that no one else ever thinks gonna, you know, necessarily is gonna take off or whatever it is. And so many people are in that position or situation in loads of different industries. So, what was it like in your head at that time? Did you just know you were gonna quit your full-time jobs, or you know, how were you handling juggling everything and then? when did you make the decision to go full-time on Bybee?
1: Yeah so the kind of like breaking point for us was not being able to do both jobs well so we had this like you know building empire of clean beauty and we were you know working sometimes seven day weeks exhausted all the time and and putting all of our energy into this you know passion project but at this point you know as i also said like it was revenue generating like it was actually becoming a business we had registered it as an incorporated you know we were doing markets and selling product and so it wasn't like we were complete novices and we just threw in the towel and said let's do this (laughs) you know we had already been working on this business for you know coming up to 18 months at that point, Mm -hmm. um, we had secured a book deal. You know, there was a lot of things that gave it gravitas, that gave us the confidence to be like, this could actually be something. But yeah, it was just, you know, it was growing so quickly and it was taking up a lot of our time. And then suddenly, you know, our day jobs were... Becoming secondary, and that's really challenging, particularly in sales, where you are so heavily tasked on revenue and your performance is quite accountable and quite transparent. And certainly, from my perspective, you know, I was not putting the energy (laughs) that I needed in, and and I could see everything starting to slip. And you know, both of us have always been successful at our careers, and I'm really proud of being good salespeople, always hitting our targets, over exceeding. So, I think it was both a bit harrowing for a bit harrowing for both of us that we were kind of starting to underachieve in our careers <laughs> yeah. so like better again <laughs> but
0: yeah we just couldn't well I couldn't think move. it's just that if you want to if you're the type of person who wants to do a good job no matter what the job is whether it's washing dishes or whether it's you know achieving your sales
1: targets yeah not to be fully engaged feels pretty crap Really. yeah and it is difficult yeah, yeah and I think that's a great way to put it like we both wanted to do a great job at everything and we just can't So we kind of just sat down and we were like, look, we either both need to commit to this and just go for it, or we just need to just give it up because we can't continue down this path. And it just became so frustrating, like having to turn down opportunities and, you know, it just wasn't viable. So we just, and we were quite transparent, like obviously being in sales, you know, we were able to bank a few of our commission checks and just kind of build up savings. So we didn't have money pressure because that is the worst situation to go in. If you've just quit your full-time job and you don't have that visibility on when you're going to get paid or how much, you know, how much you've got in the bank. So we just both said, look, we'll go a year without paying ourselves at at most. Let's see how it goes. You know, if we need to go back to working, I'm sure our respective, you know, companies or, or the industry will take us back. Let's just give it a go. But, you know, under the premise that, you know, we'd had a year's worth of essentially living expenses saved up, And our business was already up and running. It wasn't a complete day ground one zero. yeah ground zero day one it took us about nine months to build up bybee um we would have loved to have launched it sooner but it just takes a lot of time so we kind of formally launched in august 2017 we had some early early iterations of the brand out earlier but not in any sort of like meaningful way they kind of brand properly launched alongside launching into places like asos in august 2017 so Great. just wow. just over two years ago but we you know, we quit our jobs in September twenty sixteen. So we were, yeah, almost nine months working on the business without it really doing much. But we were still yeah. able to continue our workshops and, and find other ways to generate revenue. So we were still we Has still, still had incoming. <laughs> yeah. We still had stuff incoming which is which is really, really yeah. important.
0: Yeah. So uh during that time, like in the nine months, were you
2: formulating the products yourselves and then having someone produce it yeah so that nine months was spent finding a third-party manufacturer yeah. we did a small amount of uh, like small batch hand making stuff which was really only so that we could get a product out onto market and just start to, to test so yeah. um for did exa- you have
0: to have any sort of like legal i don't know what they
2: call it like
0: yeah, you have to, like, I, registrations, you, guys, yeah, like registration, you have to
2: follow, right. there are procedures you have to follow, yeah, yeah. We were yeah. doing, it was, like, legit, and a lot of a lot of brands still do handmake. You'll see a lot of, especially like natural brands, um, yeah. kind of all small batch handmate. There are a number of um, benefits of doing that. But the key issue that we saw early on was mm-hmm. we're ambitious and there's no way that we'll scale to okay. where we want to get to if we're like having to whip up Babe Balm every time ASOS orders yeah. it. So I went to find some actually in a boot, but I couldn't find any. Oh, oh, no. We're in the biggest, the 25 biggest boots. So oh, right. we're not in okay. a okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just a nice one. (laughs) Yes. um so yeah so that time was spent like identifying partners to help us with that that process actually takes quite a long time not not many manufacturers are that welcoming to like a tiny little beauty brand who don't have anything behind them so so how did
0: you persuade them to get on board
2: we had to so in the instance of the one that we partnered with we got A fluke introduction to their commercial director and we just sold the dream this is where we're going to get to this is our ambition this is why we're doing what we're doing this is why we're different and he bought it and he was he and then that you know that partner were incredibly supportive to us and very lenient with a lot of things that can be quite crippling to businesses of that size so things like um, payment windows and yeah, like production runs, minimum order quantities, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, so we, we were, I mean, like I want to say we were lucky, but actually it wasn't luck. It was our sales skills coming through. Like that's why we were able to like get him on board was because we knew how to pitch if anything, you know, we didn't know anything else about (laughs) beauty, but we know how to pitch. That is, (laughs) that's what we've been doing our entire careers at that point. So, um, and then it was about branding, you know, building out a brand. We pitched for a, a Virgin startup loan, which we were awarded for 50K. So that was a good bit of, like, capital, yeah, behind yeah, us just to kind amazing. of, like, work with an agency to get the like, initial iteration of packaging done. Yeah. Like, So, yeah, it was, there's quite a lot to building a product brand. It's actually not not easy. I, we feel like the tech guys have it much easier than us when you're actually... <laughs> But when you're building physical product, there's so much to think about. Um, So it did take us a while. And when we first quit our jobs, we met somebody in the industry who said, you won't have a product on shelf for another at least nine months. And we were like, you're crazy. Yes, we will. Like, we're launching at the end of the year. And then, like, sure enough, nine months later, (laughs) almost to the day, we were like, oh, okay, he was right. But we're impatient and there's an urgency like that we both have, which I think does come from working to revenue targets and being in a sales role for mm-hmm. your whole career, which is something that's kind of filtered through the business. We're moving quickly. We always move fast. We make really quick decisions. They're not always the right ones. Definitely not. But yeah. we learn from them really quickly as well, and then we like move on and. What okay, what a,
0: what's an example oh of like God. a wrong <laughs> a wrong decision? Honestly,
1: I think a part of it, a part of the early mistakes that we made was just pure like not naivety like we just had never I mean working with a cosmetic manufacturer formulating and launching a brand is so specific (laughs) there's a lot of specifics around it that we just had no idea so we often went into things just with a complete naivety or just not knowing what was the done thing often that's actually worked in our favor we've been able to break barriers and and change things because we don't know what is the norm yeah but At times, you know, it is frustrating And we've made a lot of kind of like rookie mistakes Even from, you know, printing errors And carton wrong sizes To...
0: uh, Elsie just cowered before And hit her face in her hands I want to know what that mistake was
2: Oh. The The bigger Sorry. mistakes for us have yeah. been around quite a lot of legal stuff, mm-hmm. trademarking. Mm-hmm. We made a massive mistake there, and we've learnt now, and we are watertight with our trademarking now. Oh, okay. um, But we tried to launch with a name before Bybee that was already trademarked, which cost us. It cost us in legal fees, it cost us in printing, <sighs> packaging, like... So, but it was fine back then we were small thank goodness it happened then and not now and now we know and now we have the best lawyers working globally on our trademarking and we will not face that issue again touch wood <laughs> there's been quite a few like people like either internally like team like team kind of stuff or actually bringing on consultants or third parties right. who we haven't vetted properly uh. um, and then that kind of like turning sour so again now when we're when we look at who we work with we are we're super strict with you know you have to meet a ton of criteria whether we're hiring you internally or we're bringing you on as our social media consultant our branding consultant yeah. whatever like we have to fully vet you and, and that that has been the result of yeah some painful mistakes that we've like learned the hard mm-hmm. way but it I mistakes are positive I think like you yeah we are quite good at seeing we've had a lot thrown at us it's not easy running a business it's not easy running a product business like I said and then sometimes it does feel a little bit like we get bad luck (laughs) all the time. Sometimes (laughs) we just joke about it now. We're like, of course that's happened to us. But we're we're pretty good at saying, okay, yeah, what do we learn from that and how do we move on? How do we rectify and how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? Um, That is such
0: a good attitude to have because I think that that's what brings people in general down. And then also when you're a leader of a company and you're a a boss of people who are working with you, you need to be able to have that strong kind of mental... Yeah, grit you know to to see the positives because otherwise like if you can't keep going and forging on how is anyone else supposed to come with you yeah I guess you have to you know live and breathe like everything that you say that you're about by doing it right yeah does that ever become
2: a bit much we have each other like, we That's always good. say, Aww. you know? Like, it we do. It, like, we always say we would never do this alone. I, I don't know yeah. how soul founders do it. And I think the successful soul founders who very early on surround themselves with people who essentially are actors, co-founders. You know, you'll often hear of founders who in the early days have bought yeah. on like a CFO at the point where a business definitely doesn't need that. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like a sounding board, a kind of like, yeah. because it's tough, it's lonely out there. Mm-hmm. And so I guess for us, if one's down, the other one can pick up. You know, we can kind of be the sounding board for each other, play devil, devil's advocate in, in situations like... it it allows for you to have an off day because the other one will tend to kind of like swoop in and and balance that out. Do you ever have conflict between you or Yeah, Yeah, but that's natural. Like it's it's like kind of like a marriage. I think unlike a lot of
1: other relationships that you might have, like, Elsie and I have a very clear, distinct common goal. That we're both working towards. So there's not a lot of other motivations that can come into that. We're like we're both working towards exactly the same thing. And there's not many yeah. other instances where friendships or you know relationships or marriages or even family relationships you're not typically working towards such a crystal clear end goal. So and again, it can it's always. Yeah, exactly. Just communicating, being empathetic towards one another, um, is just the key. And we're super lucky, like that. You know, we travel a lot together. We spend so much time together. We're now over three years, isn't it? Like the fact that we're still mates is pretty. I mean, people, and and I think that's why we've been investable. That's why people want to work with us because they see that we've got a great relationship and without us having a great relationship, the business would never work. So it's so encouraging because I have so many people saying,
0: Oh, you know, you don't want to get into business with your friend, never get into, I mean, especially my family are like never get into business with your friends, you know, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. And I was, I'm like, you know, despite what everybody thinks and, you know in the past having a a bad experience from naivety as well Mm. I have learned that yeah you do need to kind of do your research and like be very sure about the things that you do and the decisions that you make but also I've got the fantasy that actually do you know what I think that there are examples out there where two friends have made a successful business together and remained friends but yeah I hadn't I've never met anyone until time with you guys. So it's so nice to see in the
2: flesh that you guys are working really well together and it's going really well. But I think oh. the key there, though, is that we were colleagues. We were also friends and are friends, but we worked together and that's how we met. We, we were not like childhood like school friends or anything. Right. So there wasn't a history of like you know, emotional, like, ups and downs over the years. Like, if I tried to go into business with one of my best friends from school, it would be an absolute, like, total failure. Because we've got these, like, 20 years now of, like, oh, that's so typical her. Like, yeah, I, like when we were 15, she did it, and she's doing it again, you know? Like, whereas, like, <laughs> yeah. with us two, me, really, really we so. didn't have that history, which is quite good. And now our history is business partners, really. We've been business partners longer now than we have... And we were, like, colleagues and friends. So, in a way, like, we get on really well, and that is crucial. Mm -hmm. And we would be friends regardless of where we'd met in our lives. But, But that, like, understanding people's work ethic... And know that you can work with them in a professional environment is quite different to knowing yeah. that you could be mates with them.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's really interesting because I think that that's something that a lot of people, you know, even if they're new friends and they think, oh yeah, we get on and we, you know, we're into similar things, yeah, why don't we start a business? But actually you don't know what they're like in terms of their work ethic and I mm. think that's really important. Just on the... Subject of relationships. So you're married, and Dominika, yes. and Elsie. You recently got married.
2: Congratulations! Yes, thank you. <laughs>
0: Had a little look at a little clip. Look, you look beautiful. <laughs> As women and busy business women, you know you're running your own company. How do you find the time to
1: really nurture your personal relationships? um personal relationships like I think there were definitely times where we were busy busier not that we're not busy but we're kind of we're kind of in a great groove at the moment is that we're very office based so we work within office hours as do both of our spouses so it's not like you know we're having to work weekends only and then therefore our schedule's out of Mm whack so I think it's become a lot easier so you know we're home most nights you know where we travel a lot but it's not you know excessive it's not to the point where you know i know other people travel much more for work um so I think we've we've struck a good balance, and both of our partners are you know hugely supportive, and that's what's important as well. That, yeah, you know that they understand that there is a little bit of compromise and sacrifice, but obviously the upside could potentially be you know huge. So mm. it's worth you know being a bit patient during that time. Um, in the but, early
0: days, like I often think about stuff about my work and what I'm doing, and the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, like all the time. Uh, are you guys like that or are you able to sort of compartmentalise work? And, do you know what I mean? I can't imagine that that would be the case, but I just want to know.
2: I think it's always on your mind, always. No matter where you are, no matter what time of day, if you're awake, if you're asleep, like <laughs> you dream about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like that is, it's high risk, but the payoff is high if you start your own business, right? We're in this because... The end goal is for the payoff to be significantly higher, both commercially, financially, but also in terms of like what we can do to help change beauty, the industry, disrupt things. That to us, that payoff will be so much higher than if we'd just stayed in our kind of more steady careers. But in exchange for that payoff, then things like Having to be always on in some way, shape, or form for what will probably end up being the best part of ten years is you kind of make that exchange and and I we we made peace with that I think at the beginning really and people that can't make peace with that then you then if you can't give it your all you're probably not going to get that payoff so then maybe just stay in something a bit steadier if that if that makes sense so how do your partners deal with that like especially on the early stages I
0: mean when you're you know, I want to say, when you're into something, and into something that you are going to make your career and your job, that sort of fills most of your brain capacity <laughs> a lot of the time. So how do your partners, how did they deal with that?
2: I think, like, at the beginning, for, like, from me personally, it was, like, maybe harder as my... Because particularly, like we talked about earlier, like, we were doing seven days a week and stuff. Like, when we were doing both jobs, and then the kind of earlier days when it was like weekends were standard working for yeah working all the way through like that was a little bit more challenging and and in that like if I'm completely honest and maybe that like part of my age at that time as well like I just started to cut back on people that I might see to make time for the people that were most important so like my friendship group has probably dwindled <laughs> like I definitely haven't like invested enough time or as much time as I would have done when I was like still working and yeah kind of mid-20s so I guess you have quality. to make and sacrifices yeah but I feel like that happens naturally when you start to hit like late 20s early 30s so these days you know like I'll speak for myself but I think it's true for both of us like our husbands have got their own things going on so they're busy in their own right you know it's not like they're sat home waiting for us every day like they have both got like thriving careers and are very successful in their own right so that helps things because it's quite balanced and they're both incredibly invested in what we do and are passionate about it and believe in it, which is really helpful because they they understand, and they also, alongside us, being crystal clear with the the end goal, they're crystal clear with it as well. They know what we're working towards, so they kind of know that there's a bit of a timeline on how long things will have you know will be this way. And yeah, but it's all about. It. But it's, it comes down to relationships, right? Like it's all about communication and mm-hmm. like prioritizing and just being sensible with you know if you've got if we're away for two weeks with work, then which we have been a lot this year, we've travelled a lot this year, then you just make sure that the two weeks that you get back are, like, schedule is blank for hubby, you know? Like, that. <laughs> mm. it's just being kind of sensible yeah. with that, really. Yeah. Yeah, you
1: just have to get your priorities straight. And I think, yeah, just open communication and that, I have to do this for the next hour, but after that I'm going to be free. And once I get that out of the way, my mind will be, you know, yeah. blank.
0: So being really strict with how you allocate your time and,
2: yeah... Yeah, yeah, which is a skill, it's, like, it's an yeah. art form, and it's definitely, like, not... Yeah, I, I don't think... We get oh, We do get asked this a lot, like, yeah, how do you juggle? I just I don't think there's, like, a magic... No. I don't think there's a solution. It's just, that, like, you personally, how you manage your own relationship and how you manage your own things that you've got going on outside of work, and you just... Yeah, there's not, I mean, like I kind of hate
0: the... I hate the question in a way, but it is... It is quite relevant, at th- yeah. At this point, because back in the day, not so long ago, you know, maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't find so many female directors who are running like really busy careers and getting to ages where you know you, you might think about having a family. And it's not about that we all have that every woman thinks about that, but it's just also because there's a biological kind of yeah. element that we have to think about, which I think sucks, but it's the reality. And so, I do think a lot of people want to know from people that they see are successful and doing the stuff that they want to be doing as well how does that I mean it's quite scary because a lot of people I think opt out of doing of jumping in and taking those big risks because the other the downside is too too much for them because mm. they just don't know how they could do it yeah in terms of being busy and, and also doing all of the things that women
2: are kind of expected to do or
0: Maybe what we put on ourselves.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we also can't speak from having kids in a family mm-hmm. yet, so mm-hmm. things will probably change at that point, mm-hmm. and we'll probably do what we did back a few years ago when we called a load of mates. Like, we'll probably do do a refresh <laughs> on that because now are yeah. the baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Society in general is becoming a lot more equal, you know, men are becoming... The the dynamic in relationships is changing a lot, and I think that's a great benefit, because women make great leaders, women make great (laughs) business people. So I think, as a society, yes, we have a biological clock, but it doesn't mean that we should give up on our dreams and and step back. What does Sheryl Sandberg say? We need to lean in. (laughs) But, like, you... Have it all doesn't exist. No one has it all. But there is a way to strike a balance if you're committed and passionate about what you do. And ultimately, you know, and I'll speak for both of us, but it might just be me, but my work, you know, fulfills me to a huge degree that without it, I wouldn't feel like I you know was whole you know and it's it's so important for me to have my career and be independent and and money and and be successful outside of just what's happening in my home life so for me there's
2: you know there where there's a will there's a way we're also seeing a lot like listening to people talk more openly about delaying that biological process Mm -hmm. so like both Emily Wise um, from Glottier and Jen Atkin from The Way, I've heard both of them talk quite openly about freezing their eggs mm-hmm. and kind of, like, making that... I mean, the thing to say about that is it's incredibly expensive, so, again, it goes yeah. back to that, like, yeah. exclusive... <laughs> that, but the like, choice is oh, the the yeah. only for the rich. It's choice. Yeah, but that's quite an interesting... Um, that's quite interesting in that people are kind of, like, yeah, exploring that and stuff, so... Yeah,
1: that is a hot topic. Some of the... Other like more innovative companies and startups like they focus a lot on kind of supporting women through that process. So an inspiration that we had for potentially having like on-site crash or Mm -hmm. you know because we also have a women office. It's not just us that we need to think about. We are building careers of you know young women that we want to support throughout all of these things. Like Mm -hmm. again, we don't want them at age thirty to feel like they can't excel in their career because they need to go and have kids. Mm -hmm. So if we're able to build an environment where women feel really safe and comfortable having kids you know discussing it being open about what they want from that side of their life and then for us to be able to support them post having kids as well so Patagonia you know have a really open policy around you know breastfeeding they have an on-site crash like that is really inspirational to us and there's two women that will probably go through quite a similar kind of like Tension between family and work like being able to bridge the two is really important and what it will do is attract talent to us as well so I think yeah again it doesn't necessarily like worry worry me because I just think where there's a will there's a way and we're two smart capable women and there's so many examples of smart capable women being able to balance all these different things because it's not just family it's well-being it's self-care it's relationships it's family and then it's work and then it's relationships in work like we have a lot on our plate these days and and you know and and we all do so there's a way there's you just need to be you know calm and rational about it (laughs) 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 we'll figure it out we'll let you know (laughs) yeah Yeah, stay tuned you guys seem
0: pretty relaxed to me at the moment (laughs) how many people do you employ like is who how many are in your office at the moment 10 of us 10 okay that's quite that's quite a lot I mean it's small but it's yeah what are your sort of aspirations for Bybee? because you you talked about having such a crystal clear goal for Bybee. What is that? Mm,
2: yeah, the I goal is to be the world's leading sustainable skincare brand. There are a number of reasons that we want to do that. One, we think it's a huge commercial and financial opportunity and two, we want to change the planet and we want to reduce the beauty industry's impact on the planet, which at the moment is is horrifying. I think fashion has had a bit of a spotlight shone on it for the past couple of years. You know, everybody's talking about how to be more sustainable in that aspect and beauty's still kind of like getting away with murder. Mm. And so like for us, we want to change that. And being globally the, the largest player means that we will one, raise awareness about environmental responsibility when it comes to your beauty products and to knock some of the really bad players off the shelf so yeah. that's why for us you know somebody like boots somebody like sephora you know we're taking up shelf space of that would otherwise be given to a brand who isn't thinking about things like their you know how they source their raw ingredients or the types of materials they're using for their packaging so that's the goal for us we have like quite clear milestones to get us there but we want to do it as quickly as possible we've gone through a number of ro- fundraisers now so we've raised yeah. just over 2 million Um, in total Mm -hmm. and we're out fundraising again for to hopefully close a series a next year which will be much bigger than that so you know we need to be a well-funded business and we need to show very steep revenue growth to achieve that goal but that that's the end goal for us
0: wow you know when you say you're going for funding and stuff how do you get the confidence to does that daunt you at all or does that sort of confidence
1: come from your sales background and being because
0: it (laughs) sounds so scary to me (laughs) (laughs) and it would sound scary to lots of people it's definitely
1: um intimidating to start with i think we've done we've done the rounds a few times now so we're kind of a bit more seasoned but now we're going to the u.s which is an even more intimidating market than here so we'll let you know but fundraising is really difficult fundraising is like dating on (laughs) speed with just like it Yeah, it's it's really it's a real emotional roller coaster, and it can be really stressful. That's prob That's probably one of the things that we found most stressful because you're kind of laying yourself on out, you know, bones and all, mm. for people just to pick apart and then reject essentially. Because ninety nine percent of people just say no. So it that that is really challenging. How many really people are
0: you sort of pitching to at a time? Like, oh. when you go to America, no. like, is it five or is it, like, a hundred?
1: No. Like, I would say in our seed raise, we maybe pitch, like, 30, 40 people. Okay. Like, in you know, in its, its entirety, yeah, it's if not more. It's You take a lot of meetings, you have the same conversations, you often hear the same things back. But, you know, again, if you've got a good business, if you good founders, investable mm. founders, like, there's no reason why you can't raise money, male mm. or female, with child, without child, yeah. with, you know, whatever your baggages like if you've got a good business you've got a clear vision um and you're able to articulate that yeah you know there's a lot of money out there do you have
0: people helping you like with the pitch or like consulting or and you do it together obviously Um, yeah
2: nobody really helps us no wow no, we've um we've just done it all just the two of us really. Yeah. yeah. But you learn from every meeting you take as well. Yeah. Like ninety nine percent say no, but that's like a lot of feedback that you can learn and then tweak for the one percent that are gonna say yes. Yeah. You just have to be resilient and be able to take no's. But again, like sales backgrounds, like we were used to Getting a lot of no's, so we'll yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. It sounds like you got a lot of yeses, and, <laughs> and for the most part, yeah, you won't we'll take more like, than our I, raise, but... definitely... oh, I really hope that you guys Thank do you. really well. Thank in you.
2: It's really exciting because it is yeah. such a huge market. Yeah, it's interesting because we haven't really spoken about a lot of this stuff.
0: Is there anything in your life that you've really had to resist in order to move
1: forward? Like, can you think mm. of anything? Not giving up. Done. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I don't feel like I've had to say no to many things like
2: No. I don't think so. I think it's all just like in order to move forward you have to just in with the business. Yeah. It's just heads down, work hard. Don't take things personally, be resilient and be smart, move quickly.
0: How <laughs> do you not take things personally though when it's your baby?
2: You take things personally... I mean, don't take things personally in the context of... It, it, like professionally, mm-hmm. like any no's that you might get and stuff. It is hard, but yeah, like whether it's a retailer saying no or an investor mm-hmm. or whoever else it might be, yeah, you, you've got to just not take it to heart. It's so much about that person. And like a, a lot of what we find when we're pitching is that if you're not pitching to the right person or the decision maker, you know, it's all, it's basically does that person like your product or not? And when it comes to beauty, mm. very subjective. Like mm. it, things like smell, things like. Mm. The texture of things. People are very specific and very finickety about things. So, yeah, it's kind of like one person might not like it and that might mean you get a no from that entire retailer or that entire, you know? So you've got to just not take it personally. You kind of, like, learn and move on. And then if you've got a product brand, you've got to have a great product. That is the key. You just The product's got to be killer. And that's what we, yeah, we invest a lot in, just Mm. making sure that the product works. Sounds really obvious, but...
1: (laughs) So not, people don't always have great products people yeah. forget about the product sometimes particularly yeah. in beauty
0: what would what are your favorite bibee products oh, i
2: just love the whole range at
0: some I'm <laughs> you can't that. Yeah, like if you were to name one
2: oh i think that you use, i think mega myths for its versatility because it so this is a hyaluronic acid face mist and you can basically use it whenever because it can go on top of makeup underneath makeup oh. like after your cleanser and, and then what does you're it done. Do? It just like clumps, it, it like increases hydration, mm. it gives you that glow, yeah. all of that healthy skin that we were talking about earlier, it yeah. tracks moisture, it's just fresh, it just yeah, it's just like bouncy skin, basically. Mm. Nice. And I like it because you can just use it whenever.
1: oh they all have like a special place in my heart. Yeah. I think the
2: booster <laughs> range is really great because you're able to kind of own these
1: quite high-performing actives and kind of just mix and match because the skin changes all the time. So it's nice to be able to, even if I'm not using a BiBi product, be able to get a bit of B in there. And we've just got such exciting stuff coming as well. You know, we've got a really, really busy 2020 for product launches. And We've got a vitamin C and caffeine day cream launching, that which I'm really loving. Because
0: like, obviously caffeine yeah be a big one on my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, I know caffeine is really good for the skin yeah, so how do you actually get the caffeine in there
1: it's just, just an extract yeah yeah and then you just mix it in. yeah it's in, in a cream base yeah. so yeah this one is actually just a white powder it's just caffeine extract but cool.
0: yeah oh, exciting are there any products out there like not just within beauty but sustainable brands that you guys really personally like because I think, Maybe my listeners might want to know what you guys are into, because they know that you're into Bybee. <laughs> <laughs> We're very into Bybee.
2: <laughs> so fashion-wise, I'm a huge depopper, so I try not okay, to yeah. buy anything new these days. Mm-hmm. And we both use a company called Onloan for clothes rental. So What's yeah, that? you can rent like three pieces a month or whatever this is from it. And... I'm just commenting on how <laughs> glamorous you guys look. Um, yeah. yeah, so they send you three pieces a month from... They specialise in kind of, like, modern workwear. Oh, wow. So they have designers, like, they don't specialise in really high-end. Like, you wouldn't rent a gown from them, for example, like a lot of the rentals that exist. Right. You rent, like, every day, but just nice every day at kind of mid-range designers. So they've got things like Alexa Chung, they've got, yeah. like, Keytree Studio, um, just like Maggie Marilyn so they've got like quite a few like quite cool brands on there so they're a big yeah we were invested in them from like a fashion point of view we think they're great
0: oh cool so it's called On Loan yeah okay
2: we Um, have a code actually let me find it for your listeners oh yes okay (laughs) that sounds good yeah the code is byb25 for £25 off your first order so feel free for everybody to use that wow Um. amazing thank you I don't yeah. Keep it to myself. No. <laughs> what are the
0: key things that you would recommend people look out for when they are considering and also
1: buying beauty products? Like, what are the main things from a sustainability perspective, or just generally? Both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's go for both. So, okay, let's start with sustainability. I
1: think understanding your skin is probably the first thing to do rather than automatically jumping to what products you should buy you know how does your skin change how does it feel morning to night you know do you have those dry patches with you know other areas like how does your diet affect your skin how does sleep affect your skin I think the first step is to understand what your skin needs because there's so much information around what ingredients do for the skin, but there's no point in, you know, buying all those products and and having that, um, kind of secondary phase if you don't know what you need. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, really getting to grips with, your skin is is the first thing and i think just using brands that are transparent and that's the key so understanding you know what the ingredients are are they transparent about their ingredients are they transparent about the percentages of actives and how to use the product and and Is the brand knowledgeable? Does it give good advice around what you should mix it with or what not to mix it with or how to use it? So I think just looking at the brand and making an assessment around its knowledge and, and experience within beauty is key. I mean, there are so many brands out there. Some of them are amazing and don't get enough credit. And then there are some that get too much credit that are crap. So mm. it's, it's really difficult. Like you know a couple of key things. That we always kind of look out for. Is you know we're not massive fans of synthetic fragrance. Because it can be really irritating. And it tends to kind of just do a job. That beauty products don't necessarily need a strong fragrance. Mm. You don't want it to be your perfume. Aqua you know water is always something. That we're looking out for. Because you know a lot of mainstream beauty products. Are just padded out with so much water. Mm. So can you move to a brand that uses potentially less water or high amounts of actives and stuff like that but you know natural isn't always the right thing people can be as reactive to natural as they can synthetic it's about finding the right ingredients for your skin so things like essential oils are not good for people with eczema and rosacea a lot of natural brands use essential oils so again it's just it's just trying to understand that process
0: and there's a lot of this information on your website uh, your clean beauty co-op? Like,
2: uh, to some extent, that? yeah. I mean, we don't yeah. talk as much about it anymore. Yeah. Um, we talk more about sustainability, more about business and running running a business. But yeah, there will definitely be stuff on the website. Cool. Um, yeah, kind of stuff that's still mm-hmm. relevant now that maybe was written, yeah, like a, a year or so ago. Great. So
0: on that note, where can people find you guys?
2: Uh, so bybee.com... Instagram, um and then clean and our podcast, Clean Beauty cool. Insiders the Podcast. Um is the best places to find us.
0: Amazing. Thank you guys so much. Thanks again to Global Brand Eastpac for sponsoring this episode supporting kick-ass women doing what they love to do. If you were inspired or learned something or want to find out more, head over to thegirlinthecafe.co.uk forward slash podcast where you'll be able to link to everything. Please be sure to subscribe, share and leave a review on iTunes because it helps this podcast's ranking so that more people can learn and enjoy the contents of this show. Have an awesome week, guys, and I'll be here with a coffee in hand to have more insightful conversations with my next inspiring guest.